Dan's Driving Double Feature presents Howling 2 and 7-2, episode 19. A minute-by-minute podcast covering Howling 2, Your Sisters of the Werewolf, and Howling New Moon Rising. And this one we are covering episodes... We are... We are... In this one we are covering minutes 19 of both of those movies. I'm Dan. I'm your host. Watch, I'm talking about it. You're listening. Hopefully having a good time. Maybe yelling back and forth with me at times. Maybe not. I can leave pauses... You know, like maybe like if like if I'm putting a laugh track, I could do some. Uh, you know, if I'm doing a really great gag, I can leave a pause and put in a laugh track. I mean, that was a good one, right? Anyway, uh, so I'm gonna yeah, let's just let's just dive in. Enough of this uh, shenaniganery. Let's let's dive right in. And where were we? Oh, howling, howling two. Uh, Stefan is still talking to Jenny and. Mr. White, Red Brown, I forgot his first name again, uh, because he only has two words in this minute, which you will hear. And uh, Christopher Lee playing Stefan is describing, is about to describe the um, the werewolf who's in charge, the lady werewolf who is in charge. A woman called Stilba. At the next full moon, it will be the tenth millennium of Stilba's birth. At midnight on that day, all werewolves will reveal themselves. All transformations have already begun. The process of evolution is reversed. There are many stages before man becomes a beast. And before that happens, Stilba must be destroyed, and I will do it. Come on! Miss Templeton, take those bullets. And God be with you. Thank you. Werewolf sighting, we do see a brief shot of... Uh, someone transforming into werewolf. Actually, it looks like they're already at the werewolf stage. When 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 Stefan begins to mention that the, the some are already changing, etc., etc. And there's a great moment I never noticed before, where um, as he's talking about people changing into wolves and the different stages, he like walks directly up to a skeleton, which is a little lower than he is, but they're almost kind of. Uh, they're nicely asymmetrical to one another where you're sort of like hmm I get it that's uh he's a human and that's a human skull and now then we see shots with none of like wolf skulls but like uh, wolves uh, or the werewolves in different form or something like that he got a lot of time to work I mean if this is his full-time job you know werewolf hunter occult occult guy like a doctor occult kind of guy wouldn't that be fun I would like I've always wanted to be a cryptozoologist but it's like you know how do you get that job is that a job I I guess it's a job if you can do it and then have shows like In Search of Aliens make you an expert and then you can charge a lot of money to go to like conventions around the um, the country and, and such like that. Um, all I'm thinking of there is um, uh, when I used to do um, the uh, transcription, I was doing one of the seasons of In Search of Aliens. I think this was 2018, I believe. And Giorgio, with with the big hair, actually I have big hair like him now, um, was on there um, doing uh, a talking head thing for like the um, UFO con in Santa Barbara or something like that. And uh, and in between takes, he was talking about like, oh, they want to get this person, they want to get that person, saying. Who's that guy he loves? That kind of the uh, 
the guy, jeez, why am I not stitching? Who is the guy that he, he loves who's in Bavaria somewhere or something like that and who is kind of uh, racist? Has <laughs> the, the one, you know, he's... He's yeah, he's the one who said yeah that we're all you know um, ancient you know aliens astro alien astronauts came down. What the heck? I'm gonna give you his name later. I'm completely blanking on his name, but it's funny because they um uh, he says like well I heard they invited da 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 yeah well they were gonna offer him this and this oh well he's not gonna show up unless he gets this amount of money and he can bring his wife and they both fly first class. He's not gonna show up unless they give him this amount of money. He can bring his wife. And they both fly first class, so, so they're going to have to, you know, get a little more money than that and give him, you know, some better treatment. I thought he you know, he wrote some crazy ass books, and now he's um, he's flying first class around the world to go to goofy conventions. I'm sure they're fine. I'd go to a Bigfoot convention in a crunch, and by crunch I mean, um, I mean like immediately. I don't mean crunch like it's in a crunch, you know, the way we normally use in a crunch. You know, it's like the first time I ever heard anyone use the term. It's the shit. And I, I remember, I think, I've told the story in one podcast before, first year of college I was watching a Monty Python's Flying Circus, and one of the big jock friends of my big jock roommate came in and said, what are you watching? I said, oh, it's a, it's a show called Monty Python. He said, oh, I know this. It's the shit. I said, no, no, it's actually pretty good. No, 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 I mean it's good. That's what that means. And I said, oh, I thought you meant it was shit. No, no, the shit. What am I talking about? Let's go back to Howling. So this one has does have the nice, I, I, mytho- I like the mythology of she's been around for ten millennium, Sturba, Sturba, and she's been around for ten millennium, and she is going to, um, uh, going to be causing big trouble soon when all the werewolves come to life and and transform around the world. I mean, I like that moment when everyone transforms around the world. And maybe some of them, I guess, maybe they didn't know they were werewolves. Some of them, maybe some have never changed before. Who knows? But. Um, I like that thought of when she strikes midnight or whatever it is, she's going to all, all the werewolves will come out in the world and we're going to be in trouble unless she's killed with a titanium bullet. And I like the big mythology of it. I like the fact that, that Gary Bradner does go big here. I, I like, like I said this before, like the howling is fun because it goes from there like one werewolf to this commune of all these werewolves. Now this is, is purporting to have the worldwide organization of werewolves that will all change at the same time and they will have evolved um, and presumably all be um, only, only uh, no silver will work anymore, I imagine, with any of them. And I wonder if any of them will change back, or maybe they'll have the skills to shapeshift at will. I don't know, but it sounds bad. Um, and so, of course, the people he's telling about this are Reb Brown and his friend Jenny. Uh, Reb Brown does have the one line, Come on! Which, you know, that yelling like that is fun when you're doing action. You know, Strike Commando, you know, in other films he was in. That's that's a fun, that yell is fun. But as he's just standing up from, you know, as, as, as Christopher Lee is delivering dialogue, which technically is pretty silly, but he's delivering it very seriously. And it, conv- it, it convinces people, like, convince me? You just heard me being convinced by it. But he decides to deliver the line. I wonder if they had, like, multiple takes. And, uh, you know, Philippe Mora was like, okay, now give me, um, give you just give me angry. Come on! Okay, now give me, you you kind of believe him, but you also don't want to believe him. Action. Come on! Okay, now give me your sad, because you've seen what happened to your sister, and you're kind of mad at him for showing you that, but you also know in your heart that he's right. Action. Come on! And I, I like that, that it would be, um, 
that there were I did 10 takes I almost made him French I almost made the director French um, what is he Australian I'm not going to do an Australian and embarrass everybody uh, Australian accent um, uh, but you know I, I, I gave him 10 takes and he did the same thing every time but in his eyes you could see it was different. The problem is we weren't really looking at his eyes. We just caught him yelling it and standing up quick. And then with the way Jenny li- delivers her thank you line in the end, again, she sounds a little disassociated. <laughs> she, I mean, I like her outfit and all, but um, there's a thank you, or however she <laughs> says, I'm, no, I'm, you know, I'm not an actor. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a constant talker. But again, one of the joys of this scene, I wish we had a bit, we'll, we'll get more of it later, is the sort of differences between the actors. You know, one of whom is like, yeah! Another who is, hey, ah, and another who is, can deliver the biggest pile of BS um, absolutely credibly, which is a lot of fun. So yeah, so they, she's taking the titanium bullets, uh, Mr. Mister White there uh, is storming away, and um, Christopher Lee is going to uh first go and and kill or take care of the body of of um red brown's sister there and then go and find stirba before the werewolves awake Whoa! i'm almost thinking because i cannot get through the howling the book i'm almost thinking that maybe i should skip ahead to two and see maybe if it's about all this kind of stuff. I don't know. But regardless of that, that that is pretty much what's happening here including, you know, you, I hope you enjoyed the tangent. I had another tangent for this minute. I've forgotten it. Okay. Well, maybe it'll pop, crop up when we do Howling, uh, Howling New Moon Rising here. So where do we leave off in Howling New Moon Rising? I forget where we left off in Howling... Oh, no, no, no. We left off with a guy's... um. Uh, the, the music was playing. You could hear Harriet singing uh, the, the songs, the story song, or something like that. And you saw the, like the short order cook kind of uh, looks like she was doing some French fries. And behind her, guys were sneaking in and taking um, um, bits of chili out of the pot and doing it in sneak, 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 sneak fashion. Listen to this. With my band, just singing away, had a little trouble, and I had to come home a week early. And I thought, I'm not going to call Pappy. I'm just going to go home and surprise him. Well, I was the one that was surprised, because when I was walking up my my door, there was Pappy giving singing lessons to this little blonde. And I opened the door, and I said, Woo! Yeah, this here old small. I wrote this from the bottom of my heart. You reckon it's small, Ted? What? It's small, isn't it? Cocktail wing, bro. I'm sure bro. So take him if you want him and keep him if you can. But let me tell you, sister, that's one hell of a man. Recently, I was on a podcast called Citizen Kane Minute with my friend Rob Kelly, uh, who you may know best in my um, bunch of podcasts for joining me quite some time ago on Adventure Super Train to discuss the six episodes of Police Squad. Uh, he, he is one of the co-founders of the Fire and Water Network, which is this beautiful network of uh, podcasts. And uh, Rob has done several minute-by-minutes, uh, including uh, Superman, Superman 2, and right now doing Superman 3 with the great Chris Franklin. And uh, they go five minutes at a time with those, which is where I got the pieces and pieces idea from. Um, but I was on Citizen Kane Minute talking a minute, uh, basically hour to an hour and five minutes. I was basically talking the moment where 
Oh, darn it. Emily's Kane's first wife. What's his second wife's name? I forgot. Suddenly blanked on it. The singer, the opera singer. It, it's the scene that begins with her singing at her piano to, to Kane. And then it ends with her uh, coming out of her room at the boarding house as Kane and Emily are coming up the steps. And so it's a beautiful book ended five minutes. But I said one of the things about it is that one of the things I love about uh, Citizen Kane, as with some of the, the best movies, is you literally you can go almost moment by moment. I mean, the almost every sort of shot in those five minutes you, you could discuss in some way, shape, or form, especially the rally in the middle, the the, the dissolving in, from one scene to the next, and the cutting, and the... Um, the audio, not only uh, not only audio, but the film, the picture, the, the picture, and the and, and the and the sound, and but it's one of the beautiful things is you could literally, I mean, we could have literally just sat there and gone through shot by shot and said, oh, look at what happens here, look at what happens there, which is why Citizen Kane is such a, a rich and wonderful movie. Now, the one thing Citizen Kane doesn't have is a scene where a big fat guy is peeing in a urinal. And a goofy little Australian guy who also happens to be the writer, director, producer, and chief accountant slash editor. Wait a minute, that's not right. <laughs> chief accountant and editor on the film approaches the urinal uh, intending to pee, and they make a joke about the big guy's wiener. That's the mm, Citizen Kane. You, I didn't see that. Where was that? You, Cain and Jedediah. That seems like a perfect sort of scene. If we, if there had been extended version, there had been scenes of them at colleges. Like if there had been a montage of them getting thrown out of colleges. There were, did I ever tell you the time, my um, when I was in high school, and I was a senior, and I think I had like, it was right near the end. It was like February of '91, and you know we we wrapped up in June of '91, and I was at that point um, where almost all the classes I were taking, I, I think, English and. English, I think. No, English and science were the only ones I were taking that was that it were absolutely necessary to get the diploma. All the other things I were taking were just extra things or or, or, or electives or such. And I remember one day um, I was uh, smooching a little bit with my you know my my gal <laughs> hey, um, by the locker, and the the bell rang that basically said you know you got you got you you get to get to class you know. And the bell rang, and I said, oh, excuse me. I, you know, I gave her a kiss, and I said, I'll see you uh, later in the day. I just have to pee real quick. I ran into the restroom, and I was standing there tinkling. And then in in, in, in the corner of my eye, I, I saw someone. And I was tinkling, and I was minding my own business. And I looked up as I was tinkling because I was feeling uncomfortable. And the principal of the school, Dr. Stuart Agor, was literally standing there you know, with his arms folded, just staring at me as I was peeing. And I kind of looked at him, and I, I looked at him, and I was peeing, and I, I looked down, and I can can I help you? Uh, you should be going to class. Oh yes, I know. I'm sorry. I really had to pee, and and, and uh, you know, I, I didn't want to I didn't want to have an accident. Uh, what is your name? Could I could I finish doing this real quick and just what is your name? I, I'd like to complete this action. I'm engaged. What is your name? My my name's Dan Bunnett. Could you please? back away for a moment you're kind of making me nervous okay um uh and that what is the spelling on the last name um, just please let me finish i'm just gonna i'm just gonna shake off it could you please not 
stand right there that's really kind of beginning to bother me um is that b-u-d-n-i-c-k no it's n-i-k okay well uh you're gonna speak with the assist uh vice principal later today for not um for being late getting to homeroom could you please stop looking at me while i'm trying to go to the bathroom <laughs> okay so i'm taking down your name and i'm going okay please stop there and he and he left and i was like wow that was strange and i went to see the vice principal and this was i think i had two detentions in the entirety of my high school years, one in sophomore year, um, uh, where I basically got caught up with a guy who was, I, I forget, there was some sort of running gag in, in a class, English class, and I could not be a part of it, so I got in trouble. Um, but, uh, but, but this was the second time, and I remember going to see Dr. No, no, it was Dr. Agorn, Mr. I forget his name, but he was a big, imposing sort of guy with a mustache, and I had only seen him once previously. And he says, oh, Daniel, okay, yes, Dr. Agor told me that you da-da-da, and you went in there. I said, well, I, 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 had, I had to pee, and rather than going and sitting uncomfortably in the homeroom, I went in there. Well, you know when the bell goes, I said, oh, certainly. You know, I said, certainly. You know, I'm a, I'm a senior. I'm a gold card senior, uh, which meant that I had, you know, I could, leave the campus whenever I wanted to and whatever whatever I'm a gold card senior you know I'm a I'm a you know I, I don't cause trouble as you can see, I think I did once back two years ago I don't cause trouble I come in I do my work I get good grades I was I just had to pee well he said that you uh you deliberately um ignored him when you, and I said did he tell you that I was going to the bathroom well he didn't say that yeah he, he stood there right next to me looking at me as I was peeing, well, you, you don't have to, that's what he was doing. Well, um, but he still said, yeah, yeah, of course I did, because I was peeing. I wasn't going to stop in the middle. I asked him to please not stand there. It was making me uncomfortable, and he just stood there. Well, um, he wants you to apologize to him. And I remember looking uh, like a side door through his office, through the main office area with all the secretaries, and I could see that Dr. Dr. Agor was moving around in his office. And I said, okay, I'll apologize. And I stood up and started to walk towards the office. He said, where are you going? And um, I said, oh, I'm, I'm going to apologize. I can see him right there. No, 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 you have to make an appointment, and you have to... And I said, I, I, what? Yeah, you have to make an appointment, and you have to go there, and you have to apologize. I said, hey, man, he was the one who stood next to me as I was going to the bathroom and was staring at me that was very <laughs> it was very uncomfortable and I said I'm sorry but you either apologize to him or go to detention and I can't just go walk across here right now I'm sorry you can't okay give me detention and he said okay and we signed it off and I took my detention what does that have to do with this well it was the urinal thing it was the thing that this this um there, there isn't actually a lot going on in this scene it just begins with that uh that bit with the uh, short order cook um, noticing that her, uh, her, I guess the the bowl of chili. I mean, we only see like three guys doing it, but then we saw that other guy Jocko or whatever his name is taking uh, with. I, I I mentioned the last time, so so presumably this is a thing like they would sneak in and take the chili when she wasn't looking. Um, again, like with uh, with a lot of the gags in this, it's either cut in a strange fashion where you can't quite figure out what's going on, or like the the Madonna joke in the last minute. It's a little tough to hear what's going on. But then it's it's funny because it as as Harriet is doing her song about Pappy possibly cheating on her, he's one hell of a man. I guess he is, 
and uh, you see this cute little doggy trying to jump up on these little like, like um, uh, bench riser things, presumably, where they have a little show, maybe something outside. And you see that big guy, Jocko, or whatever his name is. And you see, is it Bob, who actually plays guitar? And, um, and uh, Ted, who I don't think plays guitar, both strumming and acoustic guitar. And Ted does that thing where he points, Bob looks, and then he slaps Bob in the back of his head. Like, Bob has a, a mullet. Um, but Ted just has glorious, long, beautiful red hair. Give me hair, beautiful hair. And then we get the urinal scene, which you heard, which I love very much. You reckon it's small, Ted? And um, it just is basically you're looking at it's It's kind of like the opening scene of Night of Horror with the two guys sitting at the bar, except this is, uh, this is a wiener joke at urinals. And uh, Brock's kind of standing there a little funny, and Ted's kind of primly peeing and then has a quick look down at Brock's wiener. And then they make a joke, and I love it because um, Brock laughs. Why wouldn't he? We get the shot of the Peppy and Harriet's Pioneer Town Palace, and we go inside the palace where, where Harriet is singing her song. Although, as you hear her sing her song, you see her behind the counter having a little something to drink, and then you get Brock having a little beer, and then you get uh, Ted delivering some uh, drinks, and then you get Jocko, whatever his name is, uh, throw, is he throwing a cigarette up into his mouth? I don't know what it is. And then we get my grandmother or Sylvester McCoy in drag playing spoons. I don't know, but that's how the minute ends with he's one hell of a man. And it's, um, I mean, I like the fact that he, he starts off the song, and right when the song begins to get the part where there's a little bit of singing, it goes to um, the urinal joke. And I love, again, I, I like the um, the ur- urinal joke because it feels like some sort of in-joke that uh, that we're not in on, which is great. I mean, um, because you, you figure, like, Brock's a regular there. So why would he com- be complaining about the size of the urinals? Unless unless they just put in new urinals or something like that. But surely he wouldn't complain. I like to think that maybe they just put in new urinals the first time Clive Turner went there and the first time he met Brock. They went to use the urinals and he complained about it and, and Ted made a joke and Brock thought it was hysterical. I like to think that Brock is Ted's biggest... Um, I'd, I'd love to see if maybe Brock is like an executive producer. Maybe Brock is the one with all the money, all the cash, sort of... Um, I was going to say like a Webley Webster from from Bob and Ray, who it's 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 said like um, he does a lot of dumb things, but he actually has a wealthy family that you don't know about. But that is a reference that no one's going to get. But he kind of reminds me of that, just the big dumb guy saying saying dumb things. Yeah, and then you get everyone there having a good time. The lady playing spoons, flipping whatever in your mouth. Um, uh, Harriet by locating, and um, the the one y'all Cheryl, I think, laughing at. Looks like she's laughing at something Ted says, and so um, she's not anti-Ted. But yeah, it ends with a spoon playing, and and I love the spoon playing because um, the camera is tilted like we're in Batman or something. Like you you know, it's all of a sudden as she's doing that, you know, clack 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 clack, clack. you're gonna get on the screen like clack spoon you know, in big letters or something like that. So I know I rambled on in this, this minute a bit, but I don't know. I hope you enjoyed the story. I hope you enjoyed the ramble. Uh, that's going to happen sometimes because this is just one of those great minutes that, that, that goes nowhere fast. There's no sign of werewolves. There's no sign of anything. It's just people have, it could be a documentary. I mean, it looks like that he just, he just went in there with the camera and just shot random footage of people doing their thing with occasionally inserting himself into it to remind us that it is a movie. And um, I guess before I wrap up this episode, I'll just ask you guys, do you reckon it's small? (laughs) 